Since 93.3 and AM 560. Israel cannot stop until this job is done. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 93.3 KWTO and stream us on the 93.3 mobile app. Welcome back to KWTO. We've got a big show ahead of us today. Brent Buchanan at 5.05. He's with Signal Polling and he's on the inner team of Vivek Ramaswamy. We'll find out from him if Vivek has a path going forward. 5.20. Bruce the Theologian breaking down the latest biblical lesson. And at 4.20, we're going to go inside college football, but first, kicking off the show with Missouri Farm Bureau President Garrett Hawkins. Garrett, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be with you, Elijah. Good to be with you as well. Question of the day we started doing at the beginning of the show or beginning of the interview instead of the end. And as always, I didn't give you the question in advance. Question of the day today. And this is going to be a tough one for conservatives. What's one thing the government does better? than the private sector. We all know the things that we're like, oh, let's close this federal agency. What's one thing that the government does? You're like, ah, I don't think we should close that agency. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm going to get really in the weeds, and I'm going to say uh, ag research that's coupled with private sector research. Oh, that's Cause, interesting. Because there are aspects of research that the private sector may not fund, but yet you look at what's happening in some of our land-grant and non-land-grant institutions, and it's really critical to agriculture, especially in some niche areas. So I'm going to go with research. Very, very interesting. And dovetails perfectly, Garrett Hawkins, the president of the Missouri Farm Bureau and the youngest president, I can't remember, youngest in the nation or youngest in state history or both? Uh, both. Yeah, oh, yeah no, no. But, you know, who's, who's keeping track? <laughs> nobody, nobody. It's never come up that I was the youngest speaker in the nation. So don't worry. We don't keep track of age things. All right. Two big questions. First of all, I want to start short term. You've got a gubernatorial forum coming up. Tell us a little bit about what's coming up and, and why these candidates are coming in. You bet. So. Elijah, uh, we are preparing for our 109th annual meeting of Missouri Farm Bureau. It will kick off on Saturday when our county presidents convene. And then on Sunday, uh, the doors will be thrown wide open for our voting delegates and county leaders from across the state. One of the events that our people are most excited about is our gubernatorial forum. So they will have the chance. Uh, this is actually a partnership between us and Brownfield Ag News. Uh, they're going to help facilitate these conversations, but we are thrilled to have all of the major candidates who have announced. So Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, Secretary of State Ashcroft, Senator Eigel, as well as Representative Quaid, who will all be on hand to address uh, questions that are posed by our professional uh, Brownfield Ag reporters. Probably unprepared for this, but did Mike Hamra say no or he just did not hear back? I think there was a scheduled conflict, if gotcha. I'm not mistaken. Yep. I'm really curious. I, I, you know, obviously Missouri's a Republican state. I tell everybody who will listen, the next Republican is is really coming out of the, or the next governor's coming out of the Republican primary. Let's not confuse ourselves that we're a very red state. But I do take a little bit of interest in this Democratic primary just to see which direction the Democratic caucus goes. Regardless, let's talk more of a macro level 
what what do you guys got on tap for the next legislative session? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, <clears throat> being a, a general farm organization, our policy book is 133 pages. We touch a lot of issues that impact not only agriculture but the rural way of life. But I can tell you, Elijah, there are two primary buckets that, that really take up a lot of our bandwidth. One, addressing um, gaps uh, in affordable health coverage for farmers and those who are self-employed. So that's number one. And number two, property rights, which you have been a big proponent of throughout your career. And clearly, we have much work to do to build on House Bill 2005 that, that showed that Missouri is serious about balancing uh, private property rights with that of energy security. So those are the two big drivers, I think, for the Farm Bureau agenda. There'll be other items, too, but love to explore either of those with you. Yeah, let's talk about the property rights, because obviously, you know, we, we've talked in the past, and for our listeners who don't remember, there was a big war in the past few years about some private transmission lines, and the Public Service Commission granted them eminent domain to buy up farmland across northern Missouri, uh, what I would consider was a slightly watered down protection plan was passed a few years later that said, hey, you know, they can do this, but maybe we're going to prevent others from doing it. But I feel like ever since the Kilo days, we've not seen a big battle to protect private property rights, uh, whether it's in our state or in other states. So what, what's, what's the path going forward? Well, <clears throat> there are a number of ways to try to skin this cap. So I think... One of the things that needs to be looked at is, is modernizing the Public Service Commission, the regulatory body that actually approves projects that happen in this state uh, for utilities. Clearly, as we saw with Grain Belt, um, this was a, a new type of endeavor, to, endeavor when you talk about a private, for-profit, out-of-state entity uh, coming into Missouri to run this uh, mega transmission line. So our members have said, hey, we need to expand the Public Service Commission. We need actually to have a commissioner that has um, that is a landowner or involved in agriculture, something to give another perspective about those who are impacted on the ground. So I think there are a lot of things that we can look at from PSD modernization to try to make sure that we are set up to actually put Missourians, whether it's that would include landowners as well as consumers first when we think about energy policy and utility policy for the state. I'd also say we figured out that these industrial scale solar and wind farms, uh, we've got a loophole in our eminent domain statutes that technically they could be deemed to be power generation facilities and therefore have condemnation authority and be able to use eminent domain to acquire farmland on their periphery to expand their footprint. We've not seen this happen yet, but <clears throat> the way the incentives are being thrown at wind and solar from the feds, we need to make sure that you can't drive a Mack truck through our statute, and we need to close this loophole. So, so those are two items, uh, first and foremost, that need to be done. What's the process for uh, modernizing the PSE? Is that, is that a, do we need to change statute as a constitutional amendment? How would that process work? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, statute ultimately is what needs to happen. Now, I guess you could always go to the ballot box to, to force a change in statute, but truly what we need is, you know, the legislative body to come forward and say, you know what, we recognize that we need to modernize uh, the statutes that govern the Public Service Commission. 
we need to look at, you know, something else that should be looked at would be geographic representation to make sure that all the major areas of the state are represented on the PSC. So, again, we're, um, we're willing to help drive this discussion. I don't pretend to have all the answers, but what we do know is we need to make sure that we have a commission that is equipped with the tools uh, that they need to, to make sure that we are putting Missouri, that's landowners and consumers, first. And, and I hate to break this down, and but sometimes people, you know, the PSC, the Public Service Commission, tell our listeners a little bit, what do they do and why should we care about changing how those members are picked? So, I mean, in the simplest form, the biggest, you know, the biggest part uh, of their job is to review rate cases, right? The rate that you pay for your electricity um, as consumers, that would be um, what you experience on a daily basis, but they also get into sewer and other utilities. Um, so it really is, uh, the commissioners that are appointed, uh, the five members, they are essentially, it's considered to be a full-time job. They're, they're appointed by, uh, the governor and then they have staff that are professional staff of, of attorneys and, and specialists that help them navigate utility law. So it is very comprehensive. But I can tell you, you know, I actually had the chance to testify before the Public Service Commission last summer as they were considering uh, the Tiger Connector, this offshoot project from the Grain Belt Express. And ultimately, days upon days of testimony uh, culminated in very little uh, gleaning by the Public Service Commission, ultimately in their ruling on the Tiger Connector, meaning five, six days of comprehensive testimony yielded very little uh, impact in the final report by the PSC. For the most part, their report came out of the filing from Grain Belt. So uh, I tell you, the frustration is there, Elijah. You know it. It's been there for years, and Grain Belt, I think, is the tipping point. Um, and what's happening at the federal level, these should all be the warning signs that we have to do something in Missouri to better protect ourselves. If if I, I love getting into the nuts and bolts and maybe it makes for boring radio, but who who's sponsoring the legislation to update the PSC this year? Well, we're still we're still working on that. Uh, we've got the legislation being drafted and sponsors getting lined up. So um, just be on just be on the lookout. We'll be talking more about that uh, in the next couple of weeks, especially coming out of our annual meeting once all of our policy positions are solidified. Very good. Okay. Aside from property, private property rights, what else is Farm Bureau working on this year? And, and before you even answer that, give me your optimism level on this upcoming session because I hear a lot of people are like, eh, last year was pretty weak. This year we don't expect to get a lot done. What's your optimism level for getting things accomplished this legislative session? Where there's a will, there's a way, Elijah. Uh, I hear lots of excuses. And, and again, you start connecting the dots, who's running for which office and who else is running for that same office and conflicts? You know, I get it. There are political realities, but you know what? As you and I go around the state, people don't care. What people want are results. What they want people to come together and to get stuff done. Election year or non-election year, people want results. And that's why we're back at the table talking about affordable health coverage. You talk about people hurting. As I travel the state and meet with our members, the stories that they share about how unaffordable the Affordable Care Act marketplace is for them because they don't qualify for a subsidized plan um, truly is egregious. And I am appalled at the number of farmers and those who are self-employed who are going uncovered without insurance coverage. We've seen eight state farm bureaus now 
seek and get approval from their state legislators to offer a health plan uh, for their members, their Farm Bureau members, and is proving to be successful um, for helping address this donut hole of people who have been left behind by, by the Affordable Care Act. This is about choice. We want to offer another choice for our members. And as crazy as it seems, you know, our members are demanding that Farm Bureau stand up as we've done through the years to offer top-notch member benefits. And in this environment, actually, to be able to offer a health plan option to our members, we have to get legislative approval to do so. I know it sounds crazy, uh, but we are seeing it make a tremendous difference in the eight other states. Others are pursuing this as well, and Missouri needs to be the ninth state to be able to offer more choice for those who live in, um, and who farm and, and are self-employed and are struggling with coverage. Now let's ignore the legislature for a minute. Talk to us just about <laughs> farming in Missouri. What's on the horizon for farmers in Missouri? What are they dealing with right now? What's, what's the, 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 what are we preparing for next year? You know, it's been two rough years, really, when you think about drought. There have been pockets that um, have been okay, but overall, two years of drought. You know, we have positioned our organization, instead of wallowing in our pity about drought, we've been trying to focus the conversation on what farmers and ranchers need to help us be more resilient in the long run. So some of this pie-in-the-sky climate money that's being thrown out there by the feds, we're having conversations about common sense things that can happen on our farm, like storing more water in our ponds, for instance, seems to be a no-brainer, uh, but yet cleaning out a pond can be terribly expensive. So we've actually worked with NRCS and Missouri Soil and Water Program to do some cost-share pilot program um, work in five drought-stricken counties to see if we can help farming operations uh, be more drought-resilient um, during years like this. We also, at the federal level, need to get a farm bill, Elijah. So Congress did step in and give us a one-year extension. But if you talk about food security and national security in this country, the five-year farm bill is critical to that. That is the linchpin. And Congress, like uh, many of its other pieces of work that need to get done, is behind, behind the ball. So we've got to get that done uh, as soon as possible, hopefully soon after the new year. Uh when you gather in Jefferson City, how many individuals from around the state are coming to, or, or at the lake? How many individuals are coming for this uh, this gathering? Yeah, so we have about fourteen hundred people registered thus far. Some will register on site. Uh, we'll have a delegate body of uh, between six and seven hundred uh, farmer and rancher delegates from all across the state. I think our state farm bureau delegate body is bigger than any any other state. Uh, so it's pretty impressive. I know for me. Uh, presiding over the business session and looking out across a delegate body of 700 member leaders. My goodness, it's impressive when you see our people um, offer amendments, debate, amend, uh, and ultimately approve the policies that are going to guide us into the next year. You truly get a dose of uh, common sense when you hear the differing perspectives from across the state, and it always is neat to see our people find common ground and adopt positions that they believe are not only in the best interest of all of agriculture, but truly in the best interest of our state. Very good. Garrett Hawkins, if people want to know more about the Farm Bureau or just follow you and the work that you do as the president, how do they follow the organization or you on social media? 
Yeah, MOFB.org. Go to our landing page, and you, then you can find all of our social media handles as well as how to, to reach out to, to me directly. I'm not as engaged on social media as I would like to be sometimes, but our team does a great job of, of getting content out there. Listen to our podcast. We tackle the tough issues and, and are uh, conversing with key leaders about topics that are on people's minds. So check those out. Check out our commentaries. Uh, you're not going to find a State Farm Bureau that's more aggressive and pushing back against this woke Green New Deal and all things climate. So if you have an interest in those areas, check out and see what we're doing. Very good. Garrett Hawkins with Missouri Farm Bureau, MOFB, if you want to find them on the Internet. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Take care, Elijah. Happy holidays. You too. All right. As we mentioned, coming up, 505 Brent Buchanan Signal Polling, talking about Vivek Ramaswamy's path in the primary. We'll be right back.